You ever find yourself sharing inspirational messages or takeaways to your homegirls and homeboys and everybody's like, those some gems you dropping over there? Well, that's exactly what I am here to do. I'm Diamond, your host, The Therapy Gem. I'm about to drop gems to each and every one of you. We dropping gems on life, mental health, relationships, friendships, millennial motherhood, marriage, all of that stuff that you scroll through Instagram, Facebook, or just sit around and kick it with your friends, picking up knowledge from each and every one, sharing personal experiences from myself and others as we journey through this beautiful thing called life. Now, let's catch some gems. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. The weather's beautiful. It is. So we are recording live on the Anchor app by Spotify. And I just want to say hey to my gems. Y'all know it's your host, The Therapy Gym. And we have another episode, an amazing episode of The Gym Drop, because we have an OG, Sasha Nicole Corey a temporary licensed marriage and family therapist who is joining us during this mental health series for Mental Health Awareness Month. And she's about to drop all the jokes as we talk about mental health in the Black community, cultural community. So without further ado, and I just want you to just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you got into the field of counseling. Okay, whoa, <laughs> where I'm from and how I got into counseling, it's been a rocky road. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I am an OG. Um, this is the second career, actually a third career for me, therapy is. Um, I'm originally from New York. Um, New then, York, okay. Yeah, and then I lived in Texas for a really long time. I went to Purdue, it's a historically black college. Shout out um, to the HBCU. Yeah, and I graduated from Dallas Carter, which is not the easiest school. <laughs> mm. So that is, um, that's where I've come from before I came to Nashville. And um, I just, um, you know, I, I was a young mom and uh, writer and I've always kind of done different things and just done what I need to do to get the bills paid. Um, I was a case manager and just been going to school the whole time, you know, trying to raise kids um, mm -hmm. and, and get my art out there. Um, and I was a case manager and then I was a teacher. Uh, I taught bilingual special ed mostly. And um, so when I got my kids a little bit older and it was time for me to do what I wanted to do, I was like, I've always wanted to be a clinician. That's what I'm going to do. So I yeah. went for it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's kind of everything. Like, yes, you've been <laughs> all through every yes. single kind of thing. Art. You know, that than what you do as a I mean, I would say definitely most of the clients that I work with are either artists or social justice people or um, a little bit of both. 
And um, I'm pretty creative in the way that I come to therapy. I use a lot of sand play, which is an art form um, mm -hmm. in my therapy, not to be uh, mis um, confused with sand tray. I do sand play, which is a little bit more symbol work mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more artistic. Uh, I use a lot of expressive arts in therapy with clients um, and I encourage them to do a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. And for those who are not familiar, I know Sasha clarified it. Fused with sand tray, she does sand play. So sand tray is a form of therapy where a lot of times you can work with adults, but you will see this with adolescents. They use sand tray to be able to express what they are experiencing or what they're going through through this sand tray. Yes. Am I correct on that, Sasha? That's right. And Sam <laughs> is a little bit more, um, you know, you can use it with kids and adults. Um, mm -hmm. You can use it with couples. And it's really all about that inner search for self. You know, yeah. I like to tell people for me, it feels like when I've, you know, I've had to go through my own sand play process. And it mm -hmm. feels like, you know, when you're a kid, a lot of times we haven't had to those of us who have had a lot of adverse childhood experiences haven't had the opportunity for someone to just hold our life experience with us, you know, not try to influence yeah. us, just yes. go, hey, that's what you did. Look what you found while you were out discovering. Oh, that's so mm -hmm. exciting. You know, those mm -hmm. are the things that build secure attachment. Um, mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity to really go on this journey of self-discovery. I call it the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. um, and figure out who you are and what you're about. Um, and to me, I just think it's really, especially from where I've come from, the, the opportunity to have that journey myself and to sit with other mm -hmm. people while they have that journey is um, amazing and privileged. Really privileged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you touched on something where you talked about like I'm from. And so that kind of leads to like a so last week's episode, I obviously know the stigma in the multicultural community. So we sure. like, let's, you know, because I want to make sure I dedicate this episode to our people because yes. I feel like being left behind, they are not aware of how to educate themselves on mental illness so when you say like where you come from tell me a little bit what you seen growing up and like your community as it relates to mental health I mean sure I think that um, many of the people that I grew up with are um, suffering from pretty severe mental illness you know mm -hmm. I make it pretty well known I am you know my dad my dad was a drug dealer um, my mom was a sex worker, and so I come from pretty rough background. You know, I, I have some areas of privilege, um, but that's the background that I come from. So I saw some things that were kind of rough growing up um, mm -hmm. and saw people in my family, in my community suffering from mental illness. You know, I have a lot of family members that are incarcerated. I have family members um, on both sides of my family that are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. um, my mom was hospitalized. You know, I would say um, at the minimum, most everyone in my family um, probably at some point has suffered with some sort of anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. um, I was really blessed not to have to grow up in the neighborhood 
you know, that my dad grew up in. My dad is from Harlem, from a pretty rough area. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, because of what he did, you know, I'm not mad. He was able to get me out and I was able to yeah. go to some private schools. He paid for some mm -hmm. of my cousins to go to private school. And wow. that's why I'm here where I am today. Yes. Come you on, know, resilience. You know, yes. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, there are those points in it. We do what we have to do. I definitely mm -hmm. see that there's a lot of resilience in um, my own story and in the story mm -hmm. of family members who have, you know, kind of gotten out of that neighborhood. But it's a struggle, you know, um, yeah. and I think those are the people that I feel called to work with. You know, many of us, we get out of the immediate mm -hmm. danger, but we're still carrying so much um, anxiety and depression that we're carrying of our own. Right. And then we've got mm -hmm. this genetic thing um, from generations of people being traumatized. Mm -hmm. um, that there's a lot to unpack. I think that's one reason why I use expressive arts and I like the, the sand tray because um, anything with the sand and sand play is uh, a place for you to, sometimes we have memories, you know, that are even pre-verbal that we do not, you know, we just don't even have a memory because we've lived in such traumatic environments. Yes. And so to allow people to be able to, um, anything that they can do with their body and inhabit their body to me is an act of resistance. So yes. in my therapy, I try to allow at least a space for um, black and brown peoples to be present in their body. Mm -hmm. And, um, just just inhabit themselves you know breathe and inhabit themselves because we have so many experiences we know all the time right we say they got me in my body they got mm -hmm. me on my body you know mm -hmm. and so just um being in your body is is the resistance often for us and yeah. definitely being in your body right like where i'm practicing you know we're in the same area we're here in Belmean in mm -hmm. nashville which is a pretty white area you know you mm -hmm. you have to um walk through uh you know, some offices and different things like that to get here. Sometimes people are uncomfortable just even walking into the office. Do I belong mm -hmm. here? Is this where I need to be? Mm -hmm. And so um, just being in this space and being in our bodies and sitting together and like mm -hmm. talking to each other gently and kindly and mm -hmm. with love, that is, that's an act of resistance against white supremacy and patriarchy mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so like, common like where you say like we're so used to being like you know they got me outside my body and because sit with some of that stuff and sit with some of that because it is so painful so the fact to create this have people regulate and be inside their bodies and be able to experience those things in different forms especially when like in these black and brown communities we don't have the skills or the tools or the awareness of what to do to regulate ourselves. Right, right, right. And we can't, you know, I do a lot of couples work. And the thing is, you're mm -hmm. talking about self-regulating. And, you know, one of my mm -hmm. supervisors says something that I love all the time. In order for us to co-regulate, we have to be able to self-regulate. And so then it becomes an issue of how can I regulate with my partner when they're getting dysregulated and we both outside our body and we're saying things and doing things that are not necessarily the way we want to be showing up in relationship or with our children, you know, that's a relationship also, you know, or with our friends or yes. with our family members. How can we co-regulate yes. somebody else if we can't even self-regulate, you know, on our own? 
hello, hello. And, and <laughs> that's so, why it's important. Yes. <laughs> yeah, important. and so much of the time, right? Self-regulating is pushing down. That's not yeah, what yeah. we want to do either. That's mm-hmm. not regulating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Push that. We're trying to help you not suppress that. We recognize yes. that you have to sometimes because that you protect yourself like your flight or fight response but we're here you know especially Sasha I always say she an OG in this but she is able to help you not suppress those things self-regulation for a lot of people and that's really what this kind of mental health is about is how do we recognize what skills do we need to do so we're not suppressing it and stuffing that stuff down? Because we think that that is what we need to do to take care of ourselves. But in fact, we're actually hurting ourselves through that healing process. And it takes time, but definitely I love how you say self-regulation sometimes can still be suppression. It still can be stuffing that stuff down, stuffing that stuff down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So as we think about that, like, you know, just when you say self-regulating for a lot of people still suppressing, what ways have you seen like your family, like thank you for one sharing like your trauma experiences, the things up. So in what aware of what was happening to I mean, I don't think they were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were. I think, like, especially, like, my positionality and my family is sort of uh-huh. to be um, unseen and be the overachiever, right, and the caretaker. Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes how I show up in the world. Mm-hmm. I think um, I probably, you even experienced this when you met me, right? Like, you're probably mm-hmm. not sure. People would not necessarily be aware of my walk from mm-hmm. just taking a look at me. You know, it kind of seems like it looks like it's been easy, you know, because of the privilege that I've had, because of being educated in private schools. Um, And I think probably they thought that that was enough, you know, Mm -hmm. um, really thought that that was enough, um, especially as a little girl, you know, um, Mm -hmm. as I got older. I started, um, you know, I was back in public school. My dad was gone. We didn't have that extra little, little padding from mm-hmm. him. And so it was back to public schools and it was, you know, me getting in a lot of fights, acting out, you know, mm-hmm. looking for attention where I probably shouldn't be trying to get it. That's why I was a young mom, mm-hmm. you know, um, just, just really, you know, acting out. And I think yeah. that um, I always was really good in my academics Mm-hmm. And I think it was really easy for people not to notice what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. But I had this inner part of me that was just like wanting to, um, I guess, receive the love that I needed, you know, yeah. and just just holding myself to this perfectionistic standard. And, and when mm-hmm. I look at the community, you know, I look at so many of my friends that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, drowning it with alcohol, mm-hmm. drowning it with food. You know, Mm -hmm. um, drowning it with pretending, you know, that they're okay when they're just Mm -hmm. angry, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just being mean and angry and letting that show up. I know that that is one of the ways that I definitely let my my um, my hurt and my sadness and my fear, you know, was by being angry. You had to get hard, you know, because you weren't going to make it if you were hard. And people don't realize, like, anger is just the tip of the iceberg. It's so much other stuff up under there, like that yes. hurt, that pain, yes. that depression, that sadness, like that resentment. People think it's just anger and, like, you know, just 
now I'm in pain. I am yes. hurting. Yes. I am calling someone to be here for me to look. They don't get it. It's so much stuff underneath that whole little anger, little iceberg. Like yes. so much more. So much yes. more. Yes, we um, and you know we're mammals, right? Like mm -hmm. we need other people to regulate, and it's very easy to get to this point where like I'm gonna be, especially black women, like we will perform, okay? Yeah. Like you yes. can put whatever on us, you can keep putting it on us. We will continue to perform. We can mm -hmm. be going through all different types of hell. Have and you wouldn't even know it. You would not know. We're still gonna look good while it. we're doing it and keeping mm -hmm. on. But underneath, yeah. there's all different kind of things happening, and so to mm -hmm. me. One of the, the things that I do, and you know, um, I have a friend, Gert, that is always like talking about abolitionist therapy and just like mm -hmm. abolishing systems and abolishing oppression. And I think an abolitionist act for me in the therapy room is asking mm -hmm. people, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. Letting them locate that in their body. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Where do you feel this in your body? Yes. And what do you need, right? And then teaching yes. them to ask the people around them, how do you feel and what do you need? If I don't get anything else across in the therapy room, mm -hmm. I want to get across to you that you have a right for the experience of someone else asking you mm -hmm. and you asking yourself, how do you feel and what do you need? Yeah. And I think it's so hard for us to be able to identify and you being able to say like as black women like you wouldn't even know what we're experiencing because <laughs> we, we so used to being able to hide it and I think that just goes back to the stigma of you know mental illness is not supposed to exist in our lives in our communities because you're supposed to pray about it you're supposed to yes. give it to God you're supposed to do all of that and it's like I can have God and a therapist too like don't play me like that I and mean so I would it's say just that's, like, a, that's a huge medication in my family my grandfather was a minister and yes. that is a huge medication. And, we, you know, it's it's hard to talk to people about what is the difference between using, you know, religion in a healthy way, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. using religion to escape into, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and not necessarily deal with things and just give you an answer to everything where you don't have to work your way through and think through things. And mm -hmm. it's, it's making, you know, it feel like, you know, like you said, even though I was angry, it was so much more going to me. And the fact that there, this stigma is still there, it's still there. Like the black woman is supposed to be strong, right? You're not supposed to yes. be dealing with any, or you yes. figure out how to get through it. No, yes. you don't have to get through it. There are people here who can help you with what you're experiencing. And you don't have to like immediately jump in because it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time and awareness, but like, Ideally, in our communities, we want to encourage y'all to stop stuffing these things down and yes. encourage you that it's okay to kind of release some of this. Like I always say, we put this stuff in a Pandora's box and then when shit hit the fan, flows because you ain't dealt with none of it. Yes. And so being able to just normalize the fact that our community is 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 suffering at large rates and we need to be able to offer support and the fact that sasha and sasha i want you to tell like the gems tell the listeners about like your cultural background so they can get an awareness of what it's like to sit across from someone that looks like them 
Oh, sure. I mean, I'm African-American, definitely. I'm a mixed-race person, but I would say I'm a Black mixed-race person. <laughs> um, I'm a Spanish speaker. I'm Latinx, um, Black, Irish, all of those things. Um, mm -hmm. But I think I am culturally pretty centered in Blackness. Um, mm -hmm. I do deliver services in English and Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy, those are the populations that I mostly enjoy sitting with. I also like working with Asian clients. I, I prefer um, working with clients of color because that's where mm -hmm. I'm situated. Um, mm -hmm. I also work with a lot of queer clients, which I, mm -hmm. I love. I like working with people who are just marginalized in any way, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I think that this shows up in, we're talking about how does all this stuff show up, right? And we're talking about Black women. And I think that for me, my whole goal is like eradicate misogynoir mm -hmm. and like let us try to um, center Black women because if we can mm -hmm. center Black women, then mm -hmm. we are, um, everybody's going to be free. Yes. yes. Right? Like everybody's going to yes. be free. And I yes. guess that's probably why I situate myself in blackness is because yes. I feel like that that's where, you know, that's where the work is. Um, for, mm -hmm. And I think our work as black women is to lean out. And so that is what I'm constantly trying to work with on myself and work with mm -hmm. other black women in is like, what are the ways that you can lean out? Because we yes. have it show up in perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that this is true across the board in my work with marginalized people, but I think that it's especially true for black women. Mm -hmm. We are, um, we are, we will have these perfectionistic tendencies and we are reaching for something that was never meant for us to be reached. Right. Like I know I keep yes. on this white supremacy, <laughs> but it is, it is so real. Right. It is, it is this idea that there is um, one thing that is going to be perfect. And I think we're going for it and we're going for it in ways that we don't even realize that we're, we're kind of like falling for a scam. You know, it's a scam. You know, we're thinking that we're going to, we, if we can just do this more, if we can just um, put in more hours at work, if we can just um, diet more, if we can just be that perfect mom, if we can just um, be that perfect dad, if we can just be that perfect couple that's going to show up on the cover of a magazine, you know, uh, if we can just look like the people in the Tyler Perry movie, you know, like if we can do that, then everything's going to be okay. And it's like, it's not real, you know, it's not real. It's great for us to strive for greatness. I'm definitely a type A person, but at the same time, like you got to know your limitations. You got in the most radical act that you can do. On the jail drop, we just going to be human around here. Sometimes technology is not our best friend, but I love that that happened while we were talking about perfectionism, right? Hello, right? <laughs> because that's what we, you and I am like sweating bullets here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the episode is about to be terrible. But then I was like, you know what? The episode is about to be real. Because no, that's the episode just is about to be real. That's exactly so, right. It is what it I is. Am, right? So as you were talking about, just like we have this desire to be perfect. Yeah. And episode cut off. And now I'm like, now my episode not gonna be perfect. People not gonna listen to the gym drop no more because sis ain't got her technology together. Sure. But seriously, we do. And when we think about perfectionism, we're thinking about how other people view us or perceive us. And like sometimes it'd be hard to show up as your true self because you are trying to be perfect. Word 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 and it is it is um it is making us sick right like it yes. is really making us sick 
And I think that um, if I can do anything, I want people to rest. And that is so hard. I think especially with the populations that I'm currently working with right now, you know, I've been used to working with people who are just straight up still in it. You know, I've yeah. been working in, um, I worked in the barrio in San Antonio, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that like working with people who are in the hood and in, you know, they're, they're still in the struggle, you know, yes. that's one work, but right now I'm in a different work. Most of the people mm -hmm. that I work with are, um, you know, queer and BIPOC people who mm -hmm. are, um, you know, professionals or they quote unquote made it out, you know, to mm -hmm. the same extent you and I have made it out. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> we yes. made it out. Okay. We yes. out. Now, but now we, we out. We now, out. <laughs> but now I got all this other stuff that I got to deal with and mm -hmm. I am about to drive myself crazy in yeah. my workplace because I'm trying to meet this standard that it was not mm -hmm. never met. And the, so when I talk about white supremacy, sometimes people are like, why are you bringing white supremacy into everything? Mm -hmm. It's this idea when I'm saying I want to dismantle white supremacy and patriarchy all day, mm -hmm. every day. What mm -hmm. I'm talking about really is just this basic idea that I don't think people have thought about. You know, the problem mm -hmm. with colonization is it. You, we now all have this little Republican crazy white man running around in our head telling <laughs> us, and I know I'm not supposed <laughs> to talk politics as a clinician, but hey, this is your prophet. Sometimes we just gotta be genuine and say what's on our minds. Right, so go right. For it. He's kind of like telling us, you know, we, when we talk about the different parts of ourselves and how we're a mammal mm -hmm. and how we replicate, you know, mm -hmm. you've got this this idea in the community that there's a standard, uh, you know, in the world of there's a standard, and I think the mm -hmm. whole world is falling for the okie doke of like this is the the way to be in the world is to be a white cisgender heterosexual man and mm -hmm. everybody else is just a bad copy of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because as a as a black woman like i know as a black femme i'm the original i'm the prototype come on now <laughs> you know um, i'm the prototype and so I need, right i need you to get like me <laughs> yeah yep yeah, yes. I need you to try to get like me, you know, mm -hmm. I need you to try to get like me. And so that mm -hmm. is what I am trying to get people to do is kind of mm -hmm. like awaken that goddess within them mm -hmm. and, and just and just understand you, you don't have anything you need to strive to. You're already there. All you need to do is be. Yes, be be who mm -hmm. you are be mm -hmm. and take you from that being and I think it's just so hard like you hit the like nail on the coffin exactly yeah we are like this idea that we're supposed to be replicated into this American culture into this white culture and that that's not us like you said I'm the original I'm the prototype like I am who I am and nothing else can stop me from being. And so I think if people have that like empowerment and awareness around that and then recognize that how all affects our mental sitting here struggling trying to be somebody not when the only right. thing that can help you be healthy is to just be you, like just be who right. you are. And I, I think it's scary though, you know, sometimes it's scary. I, I can relate to that just being in spaces i mean i've had a supervisor tell me before like diamond 
talking with a soft voice in therapy. That's not you. Like you can talk Word. with the voice that you speak with, with other people. Like you are a black therapist, be a black therapist. I'm so not glad you people... had that experience. Cause no one told me that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, no one told me that yes. baby. I finally got, I got so tired after a few months of sitting in the chair. I can remember that I told, um, our friend Angelique, I was like, I'm not close with you in session anymore. I can't do yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like how it. I talk who don't look like me and how I talk to my clients who look like me, y'all going to get the same diamond. Yes. Y'all going to get the same therapist because yes. how am I teaching how to y'all? doing it for me and I Correct. think it's still a work in progress or how someone else or how this society has created us their idea in their mind of what we should be in that's why we out here trying to be perfect that's why we out here suppressing stuff that is killing us inside and it's just so important to just be be you authentically you and don't apologize for Yep. Yep. I definitely, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I think, um, and I, I think that that's what that, the, the part about being authentic, right. And being congruent with in ourselves. I, I feel like that's just my ongoing work mm -hmm. as a therapist is for Absolutely. me to continue to do that so that I can do that with clients. Absolutely. So Sasha, I got one more question before we kind of like wrap up, like I've appreciated all of these gems that you've dropped because you just the bomb.com. But Thank you. I love sitting with you. I love sitting with yes, you. Yes, I appreciate fun. it. So I just want to know kind of like as we continue since mental health and mental illness awareness has just progressed and it still has so much work to do. So what are some things that you want to see happen in this field in relation black and brown communities i mean i just needed to be decolonized yes <laughs> that's what i just needed to do yes like what that looks like for me is more accessibility um yes. clinicians of color you know the the reason why you don't see very many of us sitting here mm -hmm. is you and i both know the battle that it is to become a clinician right absolutely and absolutely. it is it is definitely expensive it is a lot of hoops it is i mean i i for me again i i'm always going back to abolitionist therapy um, mm -hmm. I feel that, um, that the um, education system in the United States generally and the licensing process that are in most professions are really mm -hmm. operating out of white supremacy. And I don't believe it's mm -hmm. by accident. You know, I don't want to be mm -hmm. conspiracy theorists at the same time. Like mm -hmm. we're set up in a way that everybody is not going to be able to have access to things. And yes. I don't, that's not an accident. They don't want everybody to have access to everything. Hello. And so I really want to see that. I also would love, you know, one thing that gives me so much joy is I I've mentioned this before, but I love working with families and couples. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoy working with couples of color because a lot of times they think that they are failing just like that. Just like we think we failing in everything else. Mm -hmm. We think we're failing in relationships mm -hmm. and um, I don't know that um you know i don't know that people understand that they can come in to mm -hmm. do work in whatever their relationship looks like you know mm -hmm. I most of the people that i work with are not married you ain't got to be mm -hmm. married 
Mm -hmm. I don't I don't care if you are married. I don't care if y'all had sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're polyamorous. I don't really care. I just want Mm -hmm. you to come in here and show up healthy in your relationships Mm -hmm. with whoever the people you are in relationship with in your life. Um, And I wish that we would, you know, feel more comfortable and everything that I'm doing is trying to get people to feel more comfortable and open about coming in and doing work at whatever place that they're at. Yes. That yes. is so good. And, and on just like the fact that that's a bit not made for us, by us, none of that. And that's uh-huh. why we have to show up for this, you know, feel where it's not made for us. And being able to create the accessibility to the black and brown communities in, as it relates to their mental health. So I appreciate the gem drop and sharing some of your precious gems when it comes to your experience, when it comes to your advocacy. And, you know, I know you are so social justice and you for us, for the people. And, I'm here. Um, you, 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 um, <laughs> the population, yes, the populations that you work with are amazing. And I am, um, Sasha is a therapist at the work center. So if anybody has picked up a gym from her today, please go look up her information. I know she's probably booked and busy. Wait list is probably super long. But because she is great at what she does, but I want you guys to just at least take some just research about the things that she's doing in this field. Um, again, this has been the gem drop with your host, Diamond. And as always, please continue to apply pressure, Diamonds, for there is a gem in each and every one of you. This has been the gem drop. Freedom, pulling it off the shelf.